for listening to the Dearest Doula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sines, and this is episode 108. Hello and welcome, dearest doula community. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest. She offers a holistic wellness practice that offers homeopathic consultations, spiritual counseling, personal coaching, energetic body work, including integrated energy therapy, Reiki, vibrational healing work, guided meditation work, as well as ministerial services and celebrations. She's also a legally ordained minister in New York State and the owner of Dragonfly Holistic LLC. Please welcome to the show, Marnie McKnight Favel. How are you today, Marnie? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's nice to be speaking with you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's really nice to have you on. And I've already shared with our listeners just a little bit about you, but why don't you take a minute to fill in any gaps I may have missed on your introduction? Sure. Um, Well, I've been doing energy healing work for, uh, well, I've had Dragonfly Holistic for 12 years now. Um, I've been doing energy healing work for 20 plus years. And um, the way that I usually introduce myself with people is to share that I've been a healer my whole life. That's just been part of how I am wired. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's, you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it's not still not mainstream, but it wasn't, you know, we weren't in a technological age where you could just kind of look into that. (laughs) So, um, so yes, so my, my upbringing was, uh, a little more me delving into some esoteric, stuff and trying to understand what that was to be wired as a healer. Um, But, you know, I've been doing this work now consciously for over 20 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, Marnie, I just want to take another little moment to thank you for coming back on the show. Dear Stula community listeners, if you haven't already recognized Marnie's voice, we just had her on earlier this week in a great episode all about providing compassionate care to clients who are experiencing birth trauma. So for more information on that, be sure to check her out in episode 106. But for today, we're going to go ahead and focus on your journey as a birth worker, Marnie. And What I'd like to do next is challenge you to share the short and sweet of what it is that you do as a birth worker with our listeners. Now, this is something I know I struggled with an awful lot in the beginning. As a doula, I was trying to explain what that means and what that is to people that never heard of that before. So Marnie, let's say you're in a networking meeting and someone turns and says, so what do you do? How would you explain that in around 10 seconds or less? What I explain is that I help women who are experiencing trauma or crisis to to gently but really effectively illuminate the source of the trauma and to unpack that and to find integration and resolution of that so that they can actually find greater ease and empowerment in their lives and that the trauma that they may be experiencing is a catalyst that may actually be ushering them to uh, an era of change for themselves. So I I help guide them through that. Oh, wow. That was beautiful. Well, I'm so excited to, again, just dive a little deeper into your story. And what I'd like to do next is have you share with us what inspired you to get into this line of work and to assist those women during those, those difficult times. If you wouldn't mind sharing what you were doing prior to becoming a birth worker and if there was anything that held you back or any circumstances that you and your family had to, um, had to make to, to make this possible for you, we'd love to hear that. The, the women who were coming to me, the reason that I started doing 
um, birth healing work is because I'm a, a yoga instructor and as a prenatal yoga instructor, I had um, students who were coming to me and asking me on the side if they could hire me to do, you know, professionally, if they could come consult with me to process their prior birth trauma work. So that work found me in a way, but mm -hmm. the background of that is that um, while I don't have personal experience with birth trauma, um, my background does have a, a body of trauma to it that I was able to really learn about and integrate for myself, which is why I feel like I'm in a position to be able to understand it. And um, while birth trauma isn't a trigger or a button for me, um, women's mysteries is. So there's a big background that kind of builds up to women finding me for this work. But I would, you know, in, in many ways, I say that women have found me and this work has been created, but not by me, but it comes through me. Hmm. Th yeah, that's beautiful. So yes, if you don't mind, please take us, take us there with you. Yeah, absolutely. So as I had kind of explained, I was, um, you know, I'm wired a little bit differently. We all kind of have our our thing that we kind of come in with and some people are natural athletes and some people are natural artists and um, I was definitely wired highly sensitive <laughs> so um, so I you know it was different but I also had like my own way of self-expression and I I just always kind of had a sense of who I was in a in a non-black and white way but in a in a really multi-dimensional way but um, growing up in rural New York um, I was very bullied because I lived in a in an area where it was really not acceptable to be different or to express individuality. Mm. So I was bullied horrifically um, between junior high and high school, um, really violently, not just people making fun, but I mean, I would get beaten up, um, which is kind of weird. <laughs> you know, you think about, you know, boys beat up boys, but mm -hmm. boys and girls would beat me up. And, um, at, you know, there were times when I even I had confronted during a, a period of great frustration, I confronted one of the bullies because she had, you know, turned me into a target on the bus because of something I was wearing. And then she went and got the same outfit. Oh, <laughs> I, wow. I remember confronting her at one point. I was like 14 years old. And I remember saying, you know, so that's a nice jacket. How come you made fun of mine? And I don't mm -hmm. know where I got the moxie to really stand up to her in that way. But, um, but she kind of laid off me after that. But I definitely had an imprint of that bullying. And because so many people were involved in it, um, it was very hard for me. So I was very socially uh, anxious and I was very withdrawn. And by the time I got to college, I really wasn't that socially adjusted. So um, I really kind of withdrew into myself because I was carrying a, a heavy imprint of trauma, which was not being accepted, being isolated, being made fun of, and um, that to express myself individually, I would be hurt or punished for it. Mm -hmm. So um, when I went to college, I knew that I wanted to be a healer, but again, because we weren't in an internet age yet, because <laughs> I'm a little bit older, mm -hmm. um, there, there wasn't a lot of information available for where I might study to be a healer. Um, I knew I might want to do music therapy because I am a musician and I knew I was a healer, um, but there really weren't any programs for that where I was looking. So I went to college and I, you know, I was first a music education major and I ended up changing my degree um, over to management because it was something that would just kind of get me the degree and get me out of college. So I mm -hmm. kind of moved into a place of needing to do the path of least resistance and 
you know, just get, get a degree, make my parents happy. So at this time, what was happening was I was starting to live for other people. And that for me was my big healing crisis was to live for other people for their good opinion, as opposed to understanding who I am and really embracing it and embodying it. So um, rather than actualizing myself, I would just kind of worship everybody else's opinions. So by the time I got out of, got to my senior year of college, I was about to get this degree and I was kind of terrified. And I had, you know, I would go to these kind of little new age gatherings outside you know, <laughs> and and, um, and, you know, I was always told by elders how I was supposed to be a healer. And it was still kind of esoteric to me. And I was receiving other impulses. You know, I was learning about things um, in the unseen realms that kind of, they, they were too different for me because I was really in this small town mentality. Right. So I was kind of resistant to understanding things differently as a healer also. So by the time I went to my senior, I was going to my last um semester of college, I got really, really, really sick. So that was like a, that was the beginning of a turning point for me was to be laid up, um, with mono. And I ended up, you know, bedridden for about six weeks. And I remember at the time feeling like I just felt kind of dead inside. And when I got over having mono, I had chronic fatigue. So I never really got over it. Right. I just kind of dragged along with this weight. And I got my degree and I got a job in corporate America, which if you knew me well, you, you would scratch your head because everybody <laughs> hates me when I tell them that I used to work in corporate America. They're like, what did you do there? Um, <laughs> but um, I did. I went to work and I would come home and I would go to bed. And that was my life. And I was, I was like 23, 24 years old and I was living like this where I would get up, I'd go to work, I'd come home and go to bed. And I felt like there's something in me that's dying. I'm not, I'm not alive anymore. And I was very depressed because I was so young to be feeling that way. And I had a friend who introduced me to homeopathy and I met my first homeopath and I took, I, I began homeopathic treatment. And shortly thereafter, not only did I start to feel my energy return, but I started to see things very differently. Like it was starting to integrate much within me as I was healing, I was integrating more on much deeper levels. So what I was starting to realize was that there were patterns of dysfunction and that I was maybe subscribing to patterns of dysfunction and that, mm. you know, maybe I'm actually responsible for this path and where I'm going as opposed to really identifying as a victim for so many years and or, you know, believing that I was just sick and meant to walk on this one path. So I began to look more deeply within and I began to question it and understand myself a lot more. And that led to much more healing work. So um, in addition to knowing that I am a healer, that I am meant to learn healing, I also knew that I needed to heal myself. So I was kind of simultaneously going to different trainings for healing um, with a, there was a dual purpose. So, you know, part of the purpose was that I was healing and integrating myself and understanding my shadow self and different mysterious aspects of my own journey, but also to understand this in the macrocosm and to really look at the universe in a different way. So my perspective was changing. And um, that corporate job did do something for me because it paid my way through my alternative medicine and my alternative healing schooling. So I put myself through homeopathy school and 
um, and energy healing trainings and mystery schools. And that was over the course of about seven or eight years. So many of uh, most of my 20s was spent in this really deep journey of self-discovery, but also deepening my own skill set as a healer. And so then when I uh, when I turned 30, I left my corporate job and I kind of dove in fully to become a healer full time. And um, I was, you know, starting to attract women. And it doesn't that's not really mysterious because my most of my metaphysical training and background is in women's mysteries, um, attending mystery schools and being ordained or initiated in priestesshoods and lineages of goddess mysteries. So um, so for me, the divine feminine became and has been a central part of my healer identity and my mission and my work. So women are now finding me. And so the body of work isn't something that I kind of set out to say, I'm going to heal women. That's what I'm going to do. Or I had this experience of birth trauma because that wasn't actually it. It was more that the more in tune I get with myself and my role as a woman within the realm of the universe and the feminine aspects and merging those with the masculine aspects, um, people are, I guess, finding me because of that. Wow, that is an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I know that that's not an easy uh, thing to to open up and share, especially on such a big platform like the Dearest Jilla <laughs> podcast, but I really commend you and I'm so glad that you let us in and gave us that peek into your origin story and journey. And what I'd like to do next is, you know, you got to share with us your story and how you got to where you are now serving these women and doing this tremendous healing work. Um, but just like anything else, and especially in birth work, we know it isn't all sunshine and daisies, just like anything else. We're all going to have our moments of big ups and downs. And I feel like that's a really important thing to touch on here on the show. A lot of our listeners are these new and prospective birth workers. And so it's not that we want to, um, you know, kill the light in their eyes or anything, but we do want to give them a dose of the reality of what this line of work can be like. And I feel that when we share our struggles, we are giving them that real world view of, of birth work. And then also, you know, when we share that, we are making sure to include how we overcame those times and how we use those moments of struggle to our advantage now. So if you wouldn't mind taking us back to that moment in time for you, Marnie, when you just really hit a low point as a birth worker, what that was like for you and and how you were able to overcome it, I know we'd love to hear that. Hmm, I'm just trying to think about this. Um, you know, it's uh, not, I'm just trying to think what is the best example. The, the one that I can probably come up with is that um, doing this kind of work, because it is definitely an alternative form of doing healing work, mm -hmm. um, sometimes it does attract people who, um, very suitably would utilize this as a complement to their traditional therapies, but um, but some people absolutely need to also be in therapy or be monitored medically, and some people have kind of um, dodged that and kind of gone straight to me mm -hmm. um, through avoidance of some uh, maybe um, more essential monitoring that they might need depending on their condition. And so uh, what I mean to say by that is I, I did definitely have a very challenging time in practice where somebody had met me at a talk that I gave and called me up and they, um, they said, 
I know I'm not your typical client, but I really resonated with you. We really hit it off. Do you think you'd consider working with me anyway? And there were many flags to the person, um, to the situation, different requests they were making. And I didn't honor those requests. I didn't honor the flags, I should say. And so I did start to work with the person and it seemed to me that they really needed to be seen professionally by a mental health professional in addition to me. And, you know, my paperwork does state that I don't replace traditional therapeutics or traditional methods of treatment and that, you know, I'm, I'm intended as a complementary therapeutic mm-hmm. or a, a complementary um, modality. And some people do very well when, when they don't want to just take drugs, for example. I mean, some people do very exceptionally well doing alternative healing like what I offer. But this person definitely... Um, needed more support and they, they knew it and they, um, resisted and refused. And they said that they would never go to a therapist because their first therapist ruined them, quote unquote. Hmm. And, um, and the person started to unravel bit by bit. So week by week they would come to my office and I was surprised because I'd never experienced anything like that ever in my practice. I'd never seen anybody get worse. I'd never seen anybody get more unstable. I'd never, ever, ever seen that. And, um, and this person finally had a a major breakdown in my office where I felt unsafe and I had to refer them out. I had to, um, basically discharge them from my practice. And that it was a very difficult time because at the time I really did question, should I be doing this? And, you know, I, I mean, even as I was discharging the person and I was offering them different referrals and I was really just trying to shoulder it so that they wouldn't take it so badly. I was like, look, it's me. It's not you. But I was really afraid. I mean, I, this person started to fish through her pocketbook and I thought, is she going to get a weapon out? I mean, it was Mm -hmm. really a a horrifying time and a a horrifying moment. And, and, um, after that time, I really felt like I should take a break from doing this work. I don't know who I think I am. I don't know if I'm meant to be even proposing that I can help people, even though 10 years of previous practice results have shown me otherwise, that one really threw me off to the point where I really questioned my own ability and whether or not I should be standing up and proclaiming myself as a healer um, because of one person really. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, through some soul searching, I really came to realize, you know, we, we know what, what flags get raised. It's really important to, for me, it was really helpful to establish additional boundaries and to make sure that it was reflected in my paperwork and that I screen people before we work together. And so there are a lot of other um, uh, stopgap measures that can come into play that can really um, protect or safeguard the work that we do together. And so I learned a lot ultimately, but in the, in that moment, I definitely thought, you know, I, maybe I should just quit and get a job at a bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, yeah, that was really hard time. So, you know, I'm so glad that you shared that moment with us because this is also coming from, like you said, you had already had 10 years of experience and it just took that one person to really kind of shake you up. And so we, we know it's so difficult in birth work and especially in the particular 
line of birth work that you are in dealing with clients who have suffered that trauma to to get shaken up and to question ourselves and our capabilities and whether or not we're providing the right services or or should be providing the services we have and so um, I'm so glad and thankful that you led us into that moment and took us there with you and that we were able to hear how you were able to overcome that and that you use that now and it sounds like you did that in several ways you set up the um the different maybe more systems and practical things that you needed to implement into your practice like you said screening people and further outlining what it is that you do and don't offer and Mm -hmm. maybe more clearly defining what that scope of practice is for you with your clients but then also taking that time to to look within yourself and so um you know that's something that is not unique to your situation and that i feel that we we have heard before here on the show is sometimes we have clients who have had that unexpected outcome or are are going through a difficult time and we're wondering you know there is that that little voice in the back of your head and sometimes there is that one experience that really rocks you but um, it sounds like in your heart of hearts you know where you are supposed to be in this world and who you are serving and so I'm so glad that 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 didn't deter you and, and lead you off this path and that you're still here helping women today so thank you for that yeah thank you <laughs> no problem Well, the next segment really just kind of touches on the flip side of that. And I like to call this the movie moment, but really, and more simply put, this is you sharing a time with us as a birth worker where you just thought to yourself this, this is why I do what I do. I was meant to be right here, right now. If you could take us back to a time like that, we'd love to hear it. Actually, most recently, I had an experience of working with somebody who was referred to me, um... I feel like I don't want to, um, I don't want to give up anything confidential. So I'll just say they, they were referred to me after a a very prolonged period of grief uh, over their birth experiences. And, um, she was, she was despairing when she came to me and, um, after, and she also really wasn't that familiar with the type of work I do. And, um, the way the referral came in, it was explained to me, you know, this person is, you know, they're, they're in a delicate place, but they also, so that they're open to receiving help, but they also are a little more mainstream than you, Marnie. So you might not want to just, you know, let your freak flag fly. And it's a (laughs) funny conversation because it was among healers. And Uh so, you know, the conversation was, you know, maybe tone down the, the type of angelic healing and, and channeled healing work you do. And so I just was there holding the space and doing the work with this client. She received energy healing work, but we also did some hands-on stuff with, um, with affirmation work and meditations that she could do at home. And um, after just a few months, I mean, not even like three months, I saw her out in public and I knew that she had gone on a trip. So I just conversationally asked her how her trip was. And she, but I, I must, she heard, she heard the question differently. So I was like, how was your trip? And she was like, everything was awesome. I'm in such an amazing place. I don't even know what's happening, but those affirmations you gave me, they are really working. (laughs) What kind of blew my mind was she said to me, I don't feel like the same person I felt like. I don't even know who, who that person was, but I don't identify with that pain anymore. And that was so moving to me because she didn't even fully realize and she didn't need to the depth of the work that we did she just knew that she was free oh that's amazing what a powerful and like you said moving testimony to get from somebody like that um thank you so much for sharing that with us and i like you know something you touched on that 
you know, I think all of our listeners can resonate with, especially those who are in birth work, is like you said, sometimes you find yourself, you have to kind of meet their, your client where they're at, right? And so, yep. like you said, maybe you had to tone down your freak flag or, <laughs> you know, maybe not hoist that so high. But really, you found yourself just doing one of the most basic and most meaningful things that we all try to do. And is it is that holding of space for our yep. clients. Absolutely. And I mean, time and time again, a lot of birth workers get swept up in the idea that we have to do all the things and try all the things and and then you know we're constantly brought back to our knees and just reminded hey just hold space there's there's so much power in that and that can be such a big catalyst for change and for growth and for healing with our clients and um, I love hearing moments like that so thank you so much (laughs) oh my pleasure and I agree completely about holding space when when I give public talks The thing that I try to help everybody understand is that holding space is one of the most sacred and profound vehicles for healing that exists. And that is something that truly anybody can do. It's just that we often um, overlook our ability, our inborn ability to hold space because we are uncomfortable in the face of pain of in that space with others. Um, But if we can be a little less self-serving about being uncomfortable in somebody's pain, we give them the opportunity to experience healing just by being willing to let them share it. Oh, exactly. Beautifully said, Marnie. Thank you. Well, before we dive into the nitty gritty, we're going to pause for a moment to get a quick word in from our Mm -hmm. sponsors. Okay. Do you want to build a doula business that supports you as well as your clients? If you love being a doula with all of your heart, yet struggle to find clients to grow a thriving business, Babel Mia's Don't Doula It Yourself business trainings and memberships are here to guide you every step of the way. Whether you want trainings on social media, goal setting, marketing, or more, they have trainings that you're going to absolutely love. So be sure to visit them at training.babomia.com and click on the pay-per-view tab for a complete list of trainings, including a really amazing and totally free business prep school video series. You can also use the code DEAREST to get 50% off any of the pay-per-view videos or monthly membership. Again, their website was training.babomia.com. Babomia.com and Babomia is spelled B E B O M I A. Are you a doula or childbirth professional who wants to deliver the best experience to your clients? Do you also want to make sure you're being smart about the best ways to run your business? If so, consider joining Your Birth Experience. Their training and curriculum is used nationwide by childbirth professionals who want to learn how to connect with clients, identify their needs, and equip them for their own unique experience. Participants of Your Birth Experience will also learn valuable branding, sales, marketing, and pricing strategies. They empower you with confidence by combating myths with facts, using simple and effective training techniques, and by getting you the tools and resources you need to help your parents make informed decisions. Learn more about their step-by-step training process at yourbirthexperience.com and use the code DEAREST-DOULA for 10% off your purchase. All right, Marnie, we are back. Now we're diving into the nitty-gritty where we just get to know a little bit more about what makes you work. So to begin, what would you say is your biggest strength as a birth worker? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I hadn't taken time to think about this. <laughs> um, probably my my willingness to be as real as I can be so um, I don't hide myself. And so with that, um, I allow the, the innate gifts that I have as a healer 
to be present to come forth rather than, you know, covering them up. Um, or even if I have to tone it down for a client who may not be well-versed in, you know, new age thought, um, I'm still me and I'm still there. And all of those aspects of myself that make me unique come to the surface and they come to the forefront. So I'm, I am uncensored. Awesome. And alternatively, what would you say is your biggest weakness as a birth worker? Um, probably being so sensitive, it can feel sometimes like a bit of a vulnerability because um, I actually, because I'm not a clinical, uh, you know, I'm not a clinical professional and I'm not a social worker. Um, I don't put up a wall. I'm not saying that that people do, but there are techniques that clinicians often use where they kind of have a professional front and there's a little bit of space between a practitioner and a client. Sure. But I'll actually sit in a space and I'll cry if, some, if somebody's telling me something that really is sad or their heartbreak is right there. I'm feeling it because I'm, I'm also an intuitive. And so I'm actually perceiving and receiving that space and that informs the healing work that we're going to do. So, um, so I'll cry along with you, which is not a bad thing per se, but it means that I have to be really on top of my self-care I have to be really um, tuned into my own techniques that I know to be able to kind of psychically shield myself and do clearing and cleansing work after sessions. Otherwise, I run the risk of um, sometimes I run the risk of feeling a little too heavy or laden with the um, the stuff that I receive or or um, not receive, but hear because I'm not taking anything on. Um, but that can actually sometimes feel a little vulnerable. Oh, I'd imagine so. Um, what is one thing that has you inspired right now? I think activism is inspiring me greatly to see the the different ways that this age is kind of showing us. And 2016 feels volatile in a lot of ways politically, but um, but it's not just in um, national government and international government politics. It's really in the in the birth community and, and the feminist community, how women are waking up and rising up and we're all learning how to work together as opposed to having factions or, you know, needing to team up in a very, um, in a very old school way. Women are starting to figure out how complementary we are. And so we're really learning how to use our voices and rise up together. And when I see activism happening in the community of women, especially in the birth world, it's the most inspiring thing ever to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, what is one personal habit that keeps you on your A game? Uh, regular yoga practice. Regular yoga. Okay, awesome. And what is one internet resource like Kelly Mom that you swear by? What do I swear by? I love um, improvingbirth.org. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. And uh, what one book would you recommend to the Dearest Doula community and why? Gosh, one book. <laughs> I know, it's a <laughs> tough one. <laughs> because I love, um, I love all of Ina Mae Gaskin's books, but I don't think that those are necessarily going to be news-breaking for anybody. Everybody's probably already read them all. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay, so there's, uh, there are a couple books. One is called Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. And I think that's a good one. And secondly, if I could throw in another one, there's sure. one called Behaving as if the God in all life mattered. It's really helping us to tune into um, reverence of all as opposed to um, 
believing, you know, it's almost like, you know, I often use the word ethnocentrism, like we actually just think that our worldview is how the whole world is. Mm -hmm. um, and this is similar to that, except it's, um, it's really understanding how sentient all aspects of life happen to be, and that it can really help us to tune in a little bit more and to behave in a little more conscious manner with, with more integrity. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. What is one item that you would consider your must-have as a birth worker? Well, as a healer, I bring a pendulum everywhere I go. And that's how I, it's, um, it's a funny tool. Not everybody really understands, but it's, I do dowsing work. And that helps me to really cut in very quickly to the heart of the matter. When I'm doing healing work with somebody, I can just ask a series of questions based on the the intuitive impulses that I'm getting, and I can clarify pretty quickly just through using dousing work. Um, so for me, I I don't leave home without a pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. That's a new one, I've got to say, here <laughs> on the show. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so this next question's a bit of a doozy, but I'm sure you're going to nail it. Um, let's say you woke up tomorrow in a completely new town. Your food and shelter are taken care of, and you have $300. What steps would you take in the next 10 days to build your business? Mm, I would probably first knock door to door on the different businesses in town, and I would introduce myself so that I could make the connections with the, the humans in the village or town. <laughs> now. Uh, are, are you appealing to specific people? Would you go to specific doors? Um, you know, are you trying to find people that are also other healers or are you just introducing yourself kind of to everybody and anybody? I think if it were a new town, I would probably want to know who was in the community. So I would be a little broader at first. Like I okay. would want to know the coffee shop owner because I would probably be getting coffee every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important to have those face-to-face -face relationships, even if they have nothing to gain from me. Right. Um, but then, you know, once I understand who all's in town, I probably then would have a better sense of who are my tribe or who are my people. And then I would talk a little bit about the work that, that I do along with the work that they do. And we would, you know, I'd host some conversations and, um, I would likely host some free educational conversations about the work I do. And then, um, you know, offer some sort of promotion to experience the work that I do for the people who come to those free talks. But I would probably be offering some free education up front. And um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what I would do with that 300, probably buy a lot of coffee and some <laughs> gluten-free pastries to help me to feel more grounded. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> now, whether it comes to business building, attracting clients, or marketing your brand, what are some strategies that you've implemented that you really feel have helped to elevate your business? Um, offering education and teleclasses has been uh, really helpful to me. Um, joining communities where um, there are similar and complementary birth professionals has also been wonderful because it has kind of like I said when when in the activism realm when people band together we can see how we can complement one another and what I'm learning is through being in um, like social media communities where there are many diverse birth workers I'm meeting people and making connections worldwide that are they have brought me some opportunities in addition to making me feel like I'm not so alone in the world um, so I feel like we're we're really making 
amazing connections and understanding who's doing what and and how there are people like me and people who are like me but even doing different stuff and um so in addition to feeling like i'm helping to connect the dots within my community um i'm also feeling like i've received some opportunities professionally to offer the work that i do um to other people's communities and in other towns and other cities because of the presence of being online and community. Awesome. And what is a success quote that inspires you? Probably one that comes from a teacher of mine, which is if you say it with love, it will always come out right. Okay, great. All right. Well, Marnie, the Dearest Stula community truly believes that what you do matters. So let's go ahead and wrap up today with you sharing with our audience a parting piece of guidance, a little bit more about your business and the best way we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you had me on today. Thank you so much. Um, My parting words of wisdom are that I believe that we all have within us the ability to, we, we have choice and we have the ability to choose and receive healing and to feel uh, integrated and whole and free of things that might be very challenging or difficult for us to experience, but that there is always a light and that we do have that choice. And so um, I would always want people to feel like there's no need to despair because there there is a way to get through that um, and that we hold it within ourselves. Sometimes we just need a little bit of guidance and assistance and support to find it or source it, but that it, it truly exists within us. Um, as far as um, how to find me, um, my website is dragonflyholistic.com and you can write to me at marnie, M-A-R-N-I-E, at dragonflyholistic.com and I am... Uh, you know, I'm available on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and I have, you know, even Pinterest, <laughs> a little, little less active, but, um, but I have my, my toes in several channels of social media that I'm fairly active on. So, you know, if, if, um, small data bites are, are more your thing, those are easy ways to keep up with me. And people also can subscribe to my mailing list where I send out, um, not, too aggressively, but I send out pretty regular newsletters that have insights from my practice as well as um, what I'm working on. And you can subscribe through my website. Oh, awesome. Well, the Dearest Stula community will be able to find links to everything of value, including all those ways to connect with you by going to dearestdoula.com, clicking on the podcast button and finding your name in the archives, or by simply typing in Marnie, which as you already spelled is M-A-R-N-I-E in the search bar to have this page or this episode show notes page pop right up. Again, Marnie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your unique and inspiring birth worker feature. We loved getting to touch on and listen to your journey as a birth worker and we're so thankful because of your contribution today the birth worker world is just becoming a bit more of a friendly place and we're all one step closer to being educated and empowered so have a great day thank you (laughs) 